This review of Jungle Land is brought to you by the movie Jungle Land. We're giving away some free digital codes to download Jungle Land from Paramount Pictures. So if you're a VIP, head on over to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP, sign up, and maybe win a code to download Jungle Land, the movie starring Charlie Hunnam, Jack O'Connell, Jessica Barden, Jonathan Majors, about two brothers who team up after a devastating loss in the ring, leaves them in debt with a local crime boss, and things take a turn for the worst. We're going to review Jungle Land here momentarily. If you haven't seen the movie and you want to, become a VIP, sign up to win a code for Jungle Land. Jungle Land is now on demand, on digital, also in select theaters. Rated R from Paramount Pictures. You sound insane. You realize that? The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. 2020 rolls on here, man fam. Welcome back in. Mad About Movies podcast. Here to talk about another movie of the week on the main feed. So glad you're here. So glad you're listening. I'm Kent. Joined by both of my co-hosts this week, Richard and Brian. What, hey, guys. What, 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 what up? Richard, they let you back into the country. They did. They did indeed. Um, yeah. After was, a process. It was a long, yeah. long ordeal. Well, it turns out, um, it's just like a whole, uh, I, won't let you, I won't bore you guys with it. Let's just say... If you've, if you've never seen Sicario, you same. know what's going on. That's yeah, all you gotta, yeah, exactly. Just watch I was, that. And yep. Well, it's good to have you back. Brian and I carried the torch last week. Yeah, you did. I appreciate it. To, on my uh, birthday, too, guys. I appreciate it. I had a friend yeah, kind of, of take me out on a surprise kind of birthday dinner, and I, I didn't know. And so you guys, on short notice, um, it took care of things, and I appreciate that. I don't think I thanked you guys, so I'm going to thank you publicly. What did we talk last week, Brian? Love and Monsters? Was that it? Last week was On the Rocks, I believe. On the Rocks. I, yeah. I keep. I, uh, then Love and Monsters was, was mm-hmm. the week before that. Mm-hmm. This this whole like movies coming out but not coming out mm-hmm. thing is... Not my favorite. It's not the greatest for my brain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, I, when I'm trying to trying to put together a podcast mm-hmm. here, it's it's a little tough to uh, so keep track of things these days. I have unfinished spreadsheets right now. It's really, really dry. Including the one on your back piece. Mm-hmm. Your back yeah. piece is a spreadsheet. Right. And... I gotta you tell were planning you guys, on getting it filled in. Yeah, this year it's, and you can't because of the. It's the unpleasant protocols. getting those movies that we had scheduled for the year crossed out and, and you know, <laughs> on the rocks on top of it. I mean, it's tough. It's not. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not fun. Uh, yeah, it's a tattoo remo- removal that's hard. Mm-hmm. Not the yeah. tattoo itself. <laughs> right. And right. Then they're you know they're doing the other tattoo on top of the scar tissue. It's just it's, it's unpleasant. It's unpleasant. And that's why you've been tattooing all your top tens. What for the past mm-hmm. what fourteen years on your back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so really your 2007 top 10 is yeah. pretty sick. I'll if definitely be on the sheets Brian, by like ask, the ask mid-2020s. So, yeah. Know, it's just it's yeah, get, get ready for a Sonic the Hedgehog tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> well, another one. it's good to be here. Um, lots to talk about other than the movie of the week, which is Jungle Land. We're talking about Jungle Land. You've heard about it on the show. We're giving away some codes to our lovely VIPs. So if you're a VIP... Then uh, head on over to our Patreon and, and comment on that post for the codes, and we'll send you a download code so that you can download and enjoy this movie like we did. So shout out to Paramount for hooking up those special, special download codes for our VIPs. And again, it's madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. We do multiple episodes a week here, not just here on the main feed. This main feed is the one that you're hearing because we like to talk about maybe the, the biggest movie of the week uh, in terms of the uh, new movies here on the main feed. But we like to throw it back to old movies. Uh, we like to talk a lot about TV. We like to talk a lot about music. Brian is actually doing a Bachelorette <laughs> post-game show kind of podcast series right now on the VIP. So if you're following the Bachelorette, you know, Brian Gill's thoughts on that. That's yeah, a reason that's enough right. to sign up right there. That's right. Everybody's been clamoring for such opinions for years, really. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, this week, we're uh, throwing it back to Heat from Michael Mann, mm-hmm. 1995's Heat, which is one that we've talked about on the show a lot in passing, speaking of top 10 lists, things like that. But we'll dive into that one in the VIP this week. So get excited for that. And we've also got our AMA episode, which is when our lovely VIPs ask us questions and we answer them and anything goes there not just movie questions mm-hmm. we like to take a lot of random questions too and it gets really fun there so 
If you're a VIP, if you're signing up this week, look forward to that. And also you get every past episode we've ever done on there too. So it's not just like you sign up and then from then on you get the episodes. All those old throwbacks, AMAs, our Seinfeld retrospective is on there, Harry Potter, all that stuff. So check that out, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And thanks again to Paramount. Well, speaking of movie studios, guys, it's uh, it kind of crosses over with our topic this week because we're talking about a movie that came out and in, in was shot and released, finished in 2019, and due to circumstances, uh, did not get released in theaters this year. And so it found its way to one of the many 2020 buzzwords, premium video on demand. <laughs> and so I want to talk a little bit about premium video on demand. We've got some news there. And uh, let's talk about the future of, of kind of where we sit right now in terms of maybe getting back to the theaters at, at some point. So the big news is AMC and Cinemark have partnered with Universal and announced a exclusive uh, deal that will give them a window of theater uh, distribution as well as the right for the studios to take those movies to premium video on demand if and when needed. So right now, uh, AMC struck the deal with Universal, and today, actually, they struck the same deal with Cinemark. So there's the two biggest theater companies in the United States uh, on board with, with Universal here. And so what the details of the deal are is if a movie opens to $50 million or more, it will stay in theaters for at least 30 days mm-hmm. exclusively. After 30 days, the studio can take said movie to premium video on demand at which point in time the the um, theater distributor will get a cut of that. So, you know, if they take it to Hulu, whatever, or they're charging nineteen ninety five on Amazon, a percentage of that payment will go to said original distributor of that. So you're kind of going to the movies without going to the movies because they still are are getting a cut of this. The second part of this is if movies make less than fifty million dollars, and this is what we need to talk about because. <laughs> I don't think a movie's going to make over $50 million opening weekend till at least a year from now, maybe. Right. Like, if I'm just ball, ballparking it. Well, when's um, the next Sonic? <laughs> yeah, a year from now. I okay. think it's actually right. That's, that's why I said that. <laughs> um, so, for example, the, the opening or the, the winning movie last weekend was Freaky, the horror movie, mm. um, comedy, horror comedy with Vince Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Came in first smell place it. with fourteen dollars. Yeah, smell vision, and yeah, it, it's in smell, yeah. <laughs> that's why it's a horror film. Yeah, it's a. It's actually a family the, friendly film, but it's just <laughs> that stench is why it's rated R. It's um, again was was the number one movie last week, but uh, made a staggering three point four million at the box office, mm. and so. That's kind of the the baseline, I guess, for an average movie to be released what you can expect. So, like I said, I don't expect any $50 million movies in the coming foreseeable future. I don't I don't see it, uh, you know. I know they're trying to still get um, Dune out and Wonder Woman and all that out by Christmas. If that happens, uh, I don't see a $50 million weekend out of that. Um, even during Christmas, I think people are going to are going to play it safe this year. I don't I don't think they're going to have the normal traditions. So, I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. Um, if it makes under $50 million, it's a 17-day window. So we're looking at a maximum of two weeks that we have to wait for pretty much any movie that's made by uh, Universal to, to be able to watch on premium video on demand. And I think this is maybe the first, first studio to officially do this, but I'm sure in the coming weeks, months, year, we'll see other studios maybe adopt this model as well. But I think it, Brian... How does this affect the dark universe? <laughs> Still no word. Still no okay. word on the, the PJAR cinematic universe either. Okay. We'll get Batman Shane to, to fill us in. Because that is universal, how right? That changes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is the dark universe. Is yeah, universe the dark universe. Because yeah. yes. I'm still um, waiting for part two. <laughs> well, you're gonna, you might be waiting a while. <laughs> the, um, the thing about this is, is it, it seems, Brian, like premium video on demand, this strategy that we talked about, we've experimented with, is here to stay. 
or at least for the next couple of years. This is a multi-year deal uh, mm-hmm. between these studios. So even if, if COVID-19 is non-existent in a year and we're all back to normal, they still have the right to, to pull their movies and do, do what they want. So what's your, what's your initial reaction to this? I mean, I think it's a good thing for the consumer overall or, or eventually. Um, it's going to take some, some ironing out to make it, you know, make it work correctly, I think. Um, but, I mean, I've said for years, I mean, no one on this show, I mean, I love going to the theater. I really miss being able to go to the theater right now, and uh, I'd be happy to, to go back. And I, and, but there are some movies that uh, require the theater much, much less than, than others, and I hate limited release. I think it's, it's an antiquated, stupid system at this point. Um, and I've said forever, like, if you're going to put your movie out in less than a certain number of theaters, whatever that is, I don't know. I don't know. It, maybe, it's, maybe, it's, maybe it's 500 theaters. Maybe it's 1,000. I don't know. Wherever, wherever that comes down, if you're going to put it out in less than that, then put it out on demand day and day, you know. So this is, like, progress towards that. I do worry a little bit about the movie industry as a whole with stuff like this. And when you factor in what we've, what we've talked about ad nauseum over the last few years with um, the the big picture and the, the, the way that the studios have moved further and further away from the mid-budget movies and things like that. So I think combining all those things together makes me a little worried for, I mean, movie theaters, I, I, I think the, the quote-unquote death of movie theaters in general just, or, or overall is, is overstated. Um, but I definitely can see a future in which you go to the movies to see the latest Marvel movie or Fast and Furious movie or whatever and pretty much everything else you're just going to have to find on streaming or on demand or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. um, I don't super love that. I, I would love to have the option for both. That That's ultimately where I would like to personally fall yeah. is like, cool, all right, this on the rocks, uh, if... If I do, if my wife and I want uh, have a date night, and we're like, oh yeah, sweet, that sounds like a good movie for you know a date night movie or whatever. Cool, we'll go we'll go check that out. Um, that's great. But if we then also could say, hey, we don't have time, we don't have a sitter, we're not able to go to the theater this weekend, or we're just tired, we don't want to, whatever. But that's a movie we want to see. Cool, we can rent that for twenty bucks or, or yeah, pop a little on premium on it or whatever. whatever. It's like the Uber yeah. Eats thing, right? I can totally. go to the restaurant for. $18 a plate or I can mm-hmm. Uber Eats it and pay a service fee and it's, you know, whatever. Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah. I'd like it to be both. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the concept of, of uh, a 17 day window or whatever it was or something like that. But I also think it will be, there will be some difficulties on that because there will be a lot of movies that you're like, do I really want to, I don't really want to pay that much for the movie, but I want to see the movie. And so you just have to have that debate and whatnot. I, I'd love for it just to be, both just straight up you know like you can see it day and day but i guess you take what you can get but i don't know that it's a great thing for for the multiplex long term i would say right and it seems like universal's throwing these studios a huge bone here sure (laughs) by saying all right we could go totally premium video on demand and just completely bypass you because it's clear we don't need you right now um, but I think they and the industry at large understands that we need to get back to where we were. And um, this can't be the reason that we transition into full digital distribution because mm-hmm. we don't need to. <laughs> I mean, we do right now during the pandemic, but like after this, I don't, you know, I didn't think we, we necessarily needed to. I think, I think the, the, the change needs to be more gradual than just say, all right, no more theaters, guys. We did it, you know, and the pandemic being what ended theaters. I don't want that to happen. I, mm-hmm. I'd rather them being phased out gradually and it be more of a, I don't know, a niche thing eventually, which could be fine. You know, more more like you go to see a movie at the Beverly Cinema rather than the AMC, you know. There's certainly going to be a, a, an audience for it, but I just don't know if the audience will ever be as big as it was pre-pandemic, especially for the next few years. Richard, what's uh, your thoughts and reaction to all this? Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think, you know, I, I think the hybrid model as a consumer is perfect. But, you know, I do think 
the the more availability, especially with pirating, the more av- mm-hmm. early available you let those digital copies out there, I think that ends up killing theaters, even if that's not your intent originally. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of logistics to work out before they can they can really go to that hybrid model. Even though, yeah, that's obviously what we all want end game, but I I do think it is a really complicated problem. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see kind of kind of where they go, and you know I've always thought that one of these streaming services either Amazon or Netflix probably because of the because uh it seems like something it would do would would get into the theater distribution game you know a little bit mm-hmm. um maybe bail Disney's out Disney's always of, always on the verge of it it seems like I could whatever. see that I could see Disney theaters for sure and mm-hmm. everything that's coming out on from Disney is going to be there for sure on the best biggest formats and you can get a movie pass type card and have a special membership i could i could see that happening um and it and it makes me think that if companies like netflix want to want to be serious about this long term they need to they need to make investments like that i think and mm-hmm. say yeah we're in this we're actually trying to make good movies we want we want the cinematic experience to be us mm-hmm. period at home or at the theater, you know? And a lot um, of this has been going long-term anyway. Wait, I mean, you guys all read that big picture book, and a lot of our listeners have as well, and it's like, yes. you know, pre-COVID everything, um, you know, it, it was, it was um, that was always trending that way, with, with the theaters basically being, you know, the theater at Universal Studios for you to watch an Avengers movie. You know, they become right. more and more that. Uh, they're designed for a particular type of, of film and then everything else going to streaming or, or premium VOD or whatever. Um, and, and Brian, your premium VOD back to is also coming in. Well, and that one I think mm-hmm. is timely. Yeah. yeah um, it, it looks great next to your Napster dad. Yeah. I, I probably <laughs> would, that man, I yeah. wouldn't yeah. have gone comic sans, but that is your call. Um, <laughs> you know, but this just kind of harkens back to something we've been talking about on the podcast for literally maybe since we started this thing. Which is, if a movie makes is going to make less than $50 million opening weekend, just put it out on video on demand as soon as humanly possible so that people can see it. Yeah. Because the audience just isn't going to be there for the masses, you know? Yeah. And so totally. that, if that sticks around forever, uh, where it's day and date or 14 day after, after the mm-hmm. you know, premiere that we get to see limited release... Or, you know, lower budget movies, I'm all for that, you know. And eventually, I think what it's going to look like in a few years, and again, mark this down as a laugh at us later segment. (laughs) But, um, you know, I think it's really what Richard kind of talked about. They talk about in the big picture and the way movie audiences are trending more towards franchise movies, event movies, um, you know, the Marvels, the Jurassic Parks, those kinds of movies. But those are the ones we'll go see in the theaters. Those are the only ones that will be offered. And uh, the rest will all be on demand, and I'll be fine with that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to that. I mean, one of the big things to me that, as far as like the the industry has to make shifts, the big thing to me, maybe more than anything else, is like y'all are gonna have to figure out how to make movies for less. Like, we got to stop spending three hundred million dollars on a movie that's probably not gonna make that back. We got to stop spending. <laughs> Eighty million dollars on a movie that should be made for thirty million, and I mean, I know that's hard for everybody to stomach. And it's whether you're the star of the movie, the producer, the writer, the director, the studio, whatever. You don't you don't love that, but there's a there is a different reality. Especially, you know, you see a movie like we talk again. We talk. I just keep bringing it up on the rocks because it's top of mind recently. But like, that's the type of movie that that when you like. You listen to uh, if you if you saw Rashida Jones, especially like on the circuit or whatever, like when she's on Conan and things like that. Um, and it's not just just her, but but um, actors especially will talk about how they they will lament the loss of those movies, similar to the way that we do. And it, so it's clear that there is a a desire in Hollywood to make those kinds of movies, to make the mid budget adult themed type movie. And that's great, and there should be, and I want a ton of those movies. I'm happy to watch those every year. You know, that's great. But also, we're gonna have to decide. We're gonna have to to come to the understanding that in order to do that, you're gonna have to get paid less than what you're gonna what you think you should get paid, or what you might have gotten paid to do the same movie five years ago, or whatever. I mean, it's just it's just the reality of the situation. Because 
because it's not like the studios are. I mean, the, the reason we're not making those movies because the studios aren't raking in cash on them anymore. And so, yeah, we just got to find a. I don't know. There's there. I think there's there's a there's a happy medium somewhere in there if people if they will decide that we're gonna we're gonna seek that out and figure out what it is. And and I don't have the number. Obviously, I don't I don't know that. But there's a there's a range in there where you can say between uh theatrical release and vod and then the streaming rights to netflix or hulu or whoever else after the fact or even just the straight up the netflix route you know right off the bat whatever it is there's ways to recoup this money that aren't dependent on um sort of antiquated systems like yeah. again like the, th- the huge theater release or the dvd sales or both or whatever so, but we got to figure out what that number is for each movie and we all just got to say Okay, we really want to make this movie. You really want to make this movie. Okay, the cost of this movie now, the budget for this movie is $20 million, and that's just all we got to spend on it. Um, and we're going to have yeah. to, everybody's going to have to live with that. But that's hard to do, and it takes time, and I, I get it. But that's a, that's a place we need to get to, I think. Yeah, and for those of you who haven't read the book, The Big Picture, you need to. It's so good, it a lot. Oh my it's gosh. a lot about just yeah. the, the changing industry and, and where we're headed. It's it's. It's Ben Fritz who wrote that, right? Yep. Um, mm, yeah. 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 The big picture. Um, what he talks about there in there is, you know, the, the reason for the lack of these lower budget movies is, you know, you kind of think of it like the stock market. You know, the, the more you invest in the stock market, the higher your returns are when you get those returns, right? So these studios, uh, Disney would rather spend $100 million to make 200 than spend 50 to make 75 million, you know, like that's the way they look at it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the math that they do is like, how can we maximize our money? If we spend more to make more, we're fine with that. But the, at the end of the day, making money is the goal. So once I've heard that there's re- literally a financial reason that those types of movies just don't get made at major studios anymore, it, it made a lot mm-hmm. more sense. And it makes me appreciate studios like a 24 and Annapurna and focus. And sure. even sure. what Disney's is keeping searchlight around, you know, and we need those studios to make those movies happen. The last thing I'll talk about here, we'll talk about um, jungle land is has to do with premium video on demand because there was a new, new uh, rumor rumbling a couple weeks ago that MGM was shopping no time to die to premium video on demand distributors for the hefty sum of $500 million. Mm. And apparently everybody has passed on it. So it, it, it's going to wait it out and maybe hopefully uh, come out in theaters at some point. But obviously the movie's anticipated. But guys, you know what surprised me? I can't believe Apple didn't buy this. <laughs> you know, we talked about, maybe on the show, definitely in the Discord, about Apple being rumored to, to buy MGM for years, you know, and to... to to get more legitimacy in the studio game and all of that. I mean, that's a, that's a huge, a huge thing. If they would have had no time to die exclusively on Apple TV, mm-hmm. that would have made some, that would have turned some heads their way, you know, and, and a company as cash rich as Apple surprised that they turned something like that down when it came their way, you know? Yeah, I was too. That They were the one that made sense to me over Netflix or, or somebody else. It's just, that's so much money. It's so much money. And by the way, it's it's the right amount of money. We, we were talking about this in our Discord um, when that news was breaking. And I was, I kind of was, before we knew the number, I was kind of speculating. I was like, I think $500 million is kind of the floor for this. And really maybe it's six or $700 million, something like that. Because uh, for a movie like that, they can hold it as long as they want. Now, you don't have to do as much marketing and I imagine that part of this, if I remember correctly, Kent, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like the I think the it was 500 was million, and the, the studio it was it was yeah something like that. I think it was 500 million, and then the whoever buys it had to guarantee that they'd spend 100 million <laughs> to marketing the movie right, too, right? Something like that. A, but I mean, if you're money, Apple, Apple's not making money on yeah, Apple TV Plus. Sure. They're time. losing yeah. so much. They're spending so much on production value. And credibility, I can't believe they didn't do this when they had the chance, especially when the first three years of, of the service, the, all they have to do, the entire goal is to just gain market share, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you have that, maybe you start entering profitability. Um, but like I said, Apple 
has a trillion dollars <laughs> or something like 500 mm. billion in cash. Like they can afford this. I don't, I don't, it doesn't make sense to me from a business standpoint why they didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could see the value, but man, it's just that's so much money. I, well, I think that too is, at the, that would have been much more of a splash, you know, month one of Apple TV. Now I think they're trying to navigate it and maybe mm. gr- the good, like we talked about with Apple TV, it can suck for five years. They have so much money from mm. other channels that, now I think they're going to be in the in the slow growth, uh, prestige sort of Annapurna uh, mode until they can you know find that hit. I think they're willing to wait to do so. So, you know, I think if it was if it was month one of of Apple TV, maybe they'd be more uh, inclined to do that. But but at this point, I think it doesn't fit with their model. Yeah, maybe missed opportunity. Time will tell. All right, let's talk about. Jungle Land, guys, I got to be honest with you, did not have this movie on my radar whatsoever until we uh, got in contact with the studio and, and um, they told us about this and it, and it seemed intriguing. Brian had heard of this movie. Um, mm. He's heard of every movie. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, this was not one that was on my initial 2020 radar, but um, it looked intriguing to me and I was, uh, I was excited to sit down and watch this one. But um, let's start with... Uh, Initial thoughts, reactions, all that kind of stuff. Uh, B. Gill, you want to sure. kick off uh, Juggle in? Yeah, I mean, look, let's be real. This is the kind of movie that we we would likely not cover in pandemic. And there's some pros and cons to that kind of thing. I think we talked about that last week, you and I, Kent, about um, On the Rocks. This is the type of movie that I would see on, like, December 29th when I'm trying to squeeze in <laughs> as many movies as I can to... You know, have a, a, a complete-ish list for, for the end of the year or whatever. Um, but, you know, because of the pandemic, we have, we have, we're we here. We're here uh, talking about it. And, and uh, I thought it was pretty decent. I mean, I had heard of this. I wasn't – I didn't have a, a ton of knowledge on it. Charlie Hunnam is somebody who I I think – I watched Sons of Anarchy when that was on the air, and he's, like, the, the lead of that show – and then I've seen him in some movies since then, and it's it's kind of it's it's definitely up and down. I think there are some things that he can do really well. I think he's a pretty limited actor, and so you kind of have to make sure that you're you're staying in this particular range. Um, but if you do that, I think he can do he can be pretty good at it. So he's kind of an interesting an interesting actor for me. Um, like just coming in, you know, like I don't know, we'll see how how this plays for him. But I thought he was pretty solid in this. Jack O'Connell's kind of the same thing. I think he can he can be used well um but I, I you know this is not a movie that i'm gonna rewatch a thousand times for sure but i i kind of dug it and i thought that there's some some value to what they did it's interesting that henry winkler's son is the director this is sort of his <laughs> like breakout potential breakout uh yeah. directorial thing this is great. definitely the kind of movie that gets you a bigger movie as a director yeah, for sure for sure love that it's 89 minutes long that's awesome yep. like that's a that's a big bonus and it i thought I thought maybe the thing that it did the best without getting into any spoilers is it navigated a, a very, what could have been the, um, what was the, the Tom Holland movie we watched earlier this year? The um, Devil All the Time. Yeah, The Devil All the Time. Oh my gosh. It could have really easily been that kind of depressing where it's just like unrelenting given the subject matter mm-hmm. and what they're dealing with. And instead, I think I felt like it kind of navigated that. It made it feel real and like, hey, let's. There's weight to all of this that that these two brothers are going through and the circumstances that they find themselves in and whatnot. But it's not. It's not going to be so heavy that I'm just like trying to not, you know, <laughs> get the lighter fluid out or something. It's, it's so it was. Yeah. It was uh, pretty solid on that front. But I, yeah, I thought it was a decent movie. It's 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 certainly not going to be my top ten or anything like that for this year. But uh, I thought it d- it handled itself quite well and and uh, put the the skills of the actors on display um, in a really really good way and 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 to your point, Richard, maybe I mean this is the type of movie that that uh, Max Winkler can can take out and say, hey, this is the movie that I made and that that should I would think it's it's quality enough that it should uh, lead to something bigger down the line. Yeah, I think so, definitely, man. This movie reminded me. Of a couple movies, it reminded me, Brian, a little bit of Hell or High Water, just yeah, in terms sure. of the brother relationship uh, there, and them kind of going down this path in life that they 
don't necessarily want to go down, but they kind of have to go down. Mm-hmm. And that really struck me, um, just that dynamic between the two main characters. Sure. Yeah, I can uh, see really that. reminded me of that. Uh, the tone felt a little bit like Drive to me, too. The Ryan Gosling Drive movie, uh, where mm. you, know, you go into Drive <laughs> expecting this movie full of car chases right mm-hmm. and the fighter it's yeah. not that at all you know and I, and I went into this movie like all right this is going to be creed with uh charlie hunnam you know or it's going to be southpaw or, or one of those you know um where it's a stereotypical boxing movie with you know a different spin uh doesn't i mean it's a boxing movie in a way mm-hmm. but it's really not the main, not the main thing here. Uh, it's kind of the MacGuffin no. that drives the story forward. Yeah, but it's not the point at all. Like the fighter is like that it. way too, right? Right. Yeah, it's like a low brow, lower brow. The fighter is what I thought of during this. In yeah, some ways. yeah, exactly. And it really shows the. I don't know. We we think of the emotional side of boxing, and that's what makes it such a great cinematic sport you know because there's stakes involved and you know the history and and all that so you know a lot of these boxing movies have done really well and multiple ones have you know been best picture nominees all that kind of stuff it's it's a it's a subject matter that really lends itself to to a great movie but you know i thought this was a different way to go about it it's about amateur underground boxing rather than semi-professional or professional boxing um didn't know much about that at all and it has this kind of i don't know not backwoods but really low income um you know kind of i don't know the word i'm looking for um sure i don't know renegade feel to it you know where these characters are are really, you know, kind of every man for themselves mm-hmm. attitude throughout yeah. the movie. Um, and mm-hmm. to me, that felt refreshing. I mean, it felt refreshing to not see, even though I, w- I expected that, one of that, maybe Max Winkler could have done a stereotypical boxing movie and done it well. Mm-hmm. But I like the approach here. I liked the willingness to keep the audience wanting more without uh, making it too. I don't know, out in your face up front and all that. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed the performances. That's definitely what you go into this movie for. What you leave this movie talking about is those two main main characters, Charlie Hunnam <laughs> and Jack O'Connell. And yeah, they do, they i got to be honest look, with you guys. Some similarities. I just them. found out watching this movie that, that, that um, Charlie Hunnam and Garrett Hedlund are two different people. I have no clue. <laughs> Um, I remember once, right? I, I don't think I knew who Charlie Hunnam's name was. I knew who he was. I knew that he was the Sons of Anarchy guy. And I remember I was at a, I'm going to have to listen to before on the show, but I was at a uh, a stoplight over here. This is years ago. This is probably six years ago. And uh, I was over here at a stoplight and this really kind of badass looking guy that looked like Charlie Hunnam with the cool kind of black, uh, pardon me, with the cool blonde hair and the really cool Harley pulls up. And, uh, he he pulls up to the, he's going you know perpendicular to me pulls up to the light his light turns green and he he looks so cool and he revs it and then his bike stalls and he has to do that <laughs> motorcycle walk thing where your legs are on either side and walk uh-huh. it over to a like and it was like the hardest i've ever laughed in, in my life because i mean the guy definitely it wasn't charlie hunnam he was definitely trying to look like charlie hunnam and pulling it off but he did not know how to shift gears yet i don't think and it was i laughed for about two days because there's nothing funnier than that walk on a bike or motorcycle where you just go like, oh, okay, let's just get it across. <laughs> oh, guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Brian, any thoughts on kind of what I was talking about in terms of it not being a typical boxing movie? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy they went that direction. They just kind of – Winkler and, and I'm looking up the screenwriter now. Sorry, my internet's being weird tonight. Um so is mine, yeah, actually. Theodore Bresman. 
and David Brents and mm-hmm. Smith. I've never seen anything, anything by these guys. So, um, yeah, like I, using boxing as the medium through which to tell this story about two brothers that are extremely down on their luck and and probably on their their last chance at life, whatever that whether that's boxing or anything else. It's, this is kind of it. Um, I like that. I thought that was a, it was a smart call, and it, it did keep it from being. I mean, look, I I love. I mean, I love Creed so much and the Rocky movies and whatnot. But you can definitely, we definitely have seen enough boxing movies at this point to where you gotta. If you're gonna make a boxing, a true boxing movie, it better be an A plus kind of movie because otherwise, it's like, all right, I'm fine. Like I've I've I know all the notes of this, so I'm just I'm I'm not super enthralled by it. Uh, So to to do this this way and to to show a little bit of the kind of underground fighting circuit and whatnot. I, I expected that was going to be more of the movie um, because I know that's a big deal. I mean, like the, 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 you think about like the, the, the super low rent semi-professional and, and backyard wrestling stuff that's in the wrestler uh, with, with yes. work and whatnot. It's, there's a, I mean, there's a, a whole comment. lot of stuff like that yeah, yeah. with, with boxing and, and especially with UFC style stuff now. Um, it's like a huge, huge deal, and uh, you see that touched on in in pop culture sometimes. But I'm not sure. I, I I don't know that off the top of my head. Anyway, I don't know that I have seen a movie that fully delves into that world all the way. Um, and I'm sure that it's it's coming, or maybe it's been done. I just haven't seen the movie. But I thought that's what we were going to get more of. Was like basically we're going to fight our way across the country in people's right. backyards. That's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Like, yeah, there. The, the fights would get progressively more intense until mm-hmm. the end, you yeah. know, and yeah, exactly. he would almost yeah. lose one turn, like dodgeball the movie, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. With, jungle, yeah, totally. with boxing. Totally. That's what I expected yeah. in terms of like how the, how the beats <laughs> right. play out, um, towards the climax of the movie. <laughs> right. Um, it didn't do that at all. And, and yeah. I mean, it really, I forgot this was a boxing movie until they really, mm-hmm. yeah, they really, more than sh- anything, they're just on the grift more than anything else. Right. I mean, the, the boxing is, is the thing that drifter that's the word i was looking for drifter yeah, totally earlier but they're, but they're but they're basically i mean you know they're just they're just petty crooks they're they're pulling mm-hmm. a you know a criminal opera a little a little grift and that's that's and it's cool anyway it, it, i think it works i think it's a cool is it's an interesting way to to tell that story it it gives a little more depth to the characters and probably helps it keep from becoming just unrelentingly bleak um, than it would be otherwise because a lot of times you just get kind of trapped in. When you tell this kind of story, you get trapped. It sounds like what Hillbilly Elegy is going to end up being in a few weeks, mm. that it gets super trapped in its look how poor these people are. <laughs> and right. you're just like, okay, but is there a movie to this or are we just you know, staring at the poor people? Um, and what's the benefit of that? You know, So it gives some 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 character to these, these two characters and, and you, you get to see them try to do something instead of just sort of, uh, wallowing in their, their poverty, you know, or their, their life circumstances or whatever. There's a goal to it. And, uh, and I think that's used quite well. I mean, it really, truly, I, this movie, it's, it's not like this movie's great or anything, but, but truly, I think, uh, I think it does show some chops. Oh, for sure. For Max Winkler. And I, I would, this is the type of movie that that if I'm a studio exec, I mean, I'm not necessarily calling him up to direct the next Star Wars or something, but if I am in the business of making, um, you know, one of those mid-budget movies that we're talking about, like that's this is a guy that I'm I'm putting I'm getting on the phone because I think he handled that really really well and did some things with this movie that were not predictable and and yeah. you know I mean it kind of ends like you, you know where it starts you kind of know where it's going to end to some degree maybe not the the all the beats along the way but but a lot of the beats were were a little bit different and made kind of interesting choices and uh and kept the ball moving too I, I really appreciate I mean I, I know I said it off the top like oh it's 89 minutes that's great um but tr- genuinely seriously like what a I think that's a real benefit to the movie that it's and it keeps it's part of what keeps it from being just a you know bleak fest is like okay we got to keep moving we got to keep getting them getting them going so all right yeah. and in this scene he's gonna they're gonna scream at each other in a diner cool all right that makes some sense all right now he's gonna fight this guy to get their car back okay cool no problem we got this like we're just gonna keep keep trucking along and um, I'm I'm impressed with the pacing of that for sure yeah and it doesn't rely on the boxing to create tension action mm-hmm. yeah. 
sure. um, keep the audience invested, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you think about it. I forgot, like I said, forgot this was a boxing movie until the end. But I, sure. like I said, I think it it the pacing works really well. Like it it progressively mm-hmm. builds to something, and yeah. you know, it, it obviously builds to a a fight at the end of the film. But there's a moment before that that's pretty significant when it comes to some murders, things like that, you know? So there's more on the line than just this guy might, might lose a boxing match and be poor, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So that, that really felt good to see that and and to see Max Winkler really recognize that. But I agree with you, Brian, man, this, this impressed me from a directorial standpoint. I mean, that's what I, Mm -hmm. what I pay attention to the most with these, these types of movies. And if, if these, these younger directors who are just working their way into the business, have something, flash something. Uh, I really did see it here. Um, this movie is extremely well shot. Um, it reminds me, his style reminds me of like early Denny, like Prisoners Denny sure. a little yeah. bit. Um, so, you know, I think he has the potential to stay down this mid, mid-budget mid kind of movie. But like mm-hmm. this guy could, if he did science fiction, I think he would do excellent. I mean, his mm-hmm. eye is is great you know that last sequence in the last boxing sequence was, was shot really well mm-hmm. the lighting was good it's kind of dark but not too dark um it's got a i don't know like a like a safty meets denny kind of feel sure. to it and sure. i didn't know who max winkler was i watched the film i was like wow that was really good who is this guy and i was like oh my god it's hillary, hillary winkler's son that's awesome now i'm gonna totally root for this guy because American treasure Henry, Henry Winkler, uh, you know, passing on the mm-hmm. torch to the next generation of uh, awesome ATs. So. Oh, those are balls. <laughs> you can always tell. That close yeah. up. They always look like landscapes. Oh man, what a what a great bit. <laughs> oh man, what did we think, Brian? Um, I haven't seen Son of Anarchy, Sons of Anarchy, but Charlie Hunnam mm-hmm. gives it. Uh, he went for it in this movie. I mean, he's crying. It's yeah, cool. I mean, the gentleman yeah, too he, earlier this year. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, he was. He was a uh, movie star. And I think we learned that with like uh, Graham and King mm-hmm. Arthur and stuff like that. Um, and he's, he's not somebody who's going, I don't think he's somebody who's ever going to win an Oscar for, for like a, a really showy performance. I think the showier he goes, the worse he gets as an actor. He just, he just doesn't have that range. But but he can do, he can do sort of quiet emotion and quiet showiness and whatnot. And then he has the the sort of rugged. Uh, I mean, he's a very handsome guy, and and he has uh, Sons of Anarchy really puts on on display his 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 charisma. He's got great charm. But it's like again, it's like it's in this it's in this fine range. And if you can keep the movie in that range, you're you're probably going to get pretty decent work out of him. It's just when you try to go outside of that, I just don't think he he's that he's just not that good of an actor. But he's a good I mean, again, he's a really good looking guy, and he has um, he has presence. He he brings that to Sons of Anarchy very well, um, especially in like the early seasons of that show. He was, I would say. Just from a pure acting standpoint, the first couple of seasons of Sons of Anarchy, he's actively not a good actor, but he is, um, he's sort of compelling on screen and he, he, he has Very that pers- so persona. Else. Yeah, totally. Has a persona that works really well. And, and so that they, he and the show were kind of able to navigate around like, this guy's not the best actor we've ever seen. And then he got better. He got better as that that show went into its, you know, its, its peak years in like season three, four, five, maybe. Um, so yeah, but like I, I was, I was happy to see him do something like this. And you mentioned uh, the, the gentleman Richard and that was, I kind of forgot that he was in that, but he was solid in that. Cause prior to that, it had been like, oof, triple frontier and King Arthur and some of these things are just like, yeesh, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to last for him, but uh, you see something like this. He did. A, he did a movie called Lost City of Z. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to look up 2016 with. It's supposed Hall. to be Brad Pitt forever. Remember? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah, totally right. And and he was pretty good in that. And again, it was one that was just like, I think the director really understood. All right, we got to keep him in this. 
you know, if, if the range of actors is one to 10, we got to keep him in the four, five, sixes. And as long as we're there, we're going to be okay. Cause he's, he can do that really well. We just can't let him get too, too outside those, that, those numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jack O'Connell is great too. I mean, I've only seen him in a unbroken mm-hmm. and I mean, that gummit that, I mean, that sucks that that property <laughs> and what happened to it, you know, I mean, Angelina, first time director, doing that and then the sequel not doing well i mean that sucks because that really could have been his you know coming out party made him a really big star because i think the material is there just the execution wasn't wasn't what it should have been because that's certainly a role for a a role of a lifetime that louis zamperini role in in unbroken um but yeah i i was impressed with him too and that that sequence or that scene right in the dressing room between Charlie Hunnam and him right before the, the final fight is, mm-hmm. is really good. And they both uh, are great. And then you have that, that incredible final, final sequence. And mm-hmm. Richard, what did you think at the end when during the, during the final fight, that little music cue at the end, I knew you would, uh, you'd enjoy that. Across the Jersey state line. I almost missed it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, Oh, there's, I was wondering if they were going to bring in any Bruce Springsteen, and they did. It wasn't Jungle Land, but yeah, it was a Springsteen song, and I was like, "Oh gosh, why is Springsteen not used more in movies?" <laughs> like that slow motion boxing with like Springsteen singing under it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It made it's a great moment, but yeah, I'm sure it's expensive to use a song. They got yeah. the cheapest song they could, just like a random one off <laughs> his album from '98. It know? was weird. It, it was weird. It was Dancing in the Dark. <laughs> yeah i thought that was a i mean i love bruce but that it was, was weird, weird it was glory days as he was getting punched <laughs> in the face yeah. glory days <laughs> i blew up the chicken man in philly last night it was that one we were like what it was weird when the when he got knocked down and then the um ref came over and was like two three four <laughs> and that's when the e street band and the e street band weinberg comes on stage and yeah well, yeah, that was that was cool, man. I I wanted that. Didn't expect a little Springsteen nod to this. You know, I thought it was just coincidence, but uh, they knew that they knew the connection there, and they gave us that uh, a little, at least a little bit with this, a little nod, a little Easter egg to uh, the, the Springsteen fans. It was cool. Yeah, I'm a sucker for a for a rock and roll good music cue. Yeah, so. And especially that was the only cue in the movie too. Really, mm-hmm. it's all right. traditional score. And then that song comes in. It's really, really good moment. Yeah, man, I enjoyed this one. It's tough for me to rank it on my list for the year because it's so well done. But it's not a like I didn't enjoy it <laughs> that much. You know, sure. it's not like it didn't bring me happiness or make me laugh or anything like that. But it's one of the more well made movies of the year, um, in my opinion. So. Uh, I'll take that into consideration towards the end of the year, but um, I'm ready to grade this one out, man. But I suggest. Oh, I want to mention uh, Jessica Barden as well. Yeah, she was young good. young actress. She was fantastic. My sister. Sky. <laughs> yeah, she's yep. great. Sarah watched that show, like the end of the effing world or whatever, um, that she's on. She's very good in that as well. So Sarah Barden did. Sarah Barden watched, yeah, Jessica Barden in that. There's a lot of Barden, Barden's going on. Yes, she was, she was pretty solid. Yeah. Maybe the only the only real complaint I have for for uh, for Max Winkler is if you got if you got Jonathan, Jonathan Majors, Majors, yeah, yeah too much, too little. You got to use him, man. <laughs> that was before he like good. became the superstar, though. I know when I this know, was shot, but man, you know. that, that dude is so good, so good, and he's in the movie for three minutes, maybe something like that. Yeah. We'll see plenty of him in the years to come. For sure. That'll be it. He's got a Marvel deal coming, and um, you need to see Lovecraft Country, Brian, know, if you like him. God, he's, in, he's amazing it's in that. Maybe, uh, maybe I may start to queue that up uh, over Thanksgiving. Maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a good weekend to watch. Well, uh, yeah, I'm ready to grade this one, man. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to give it an A-. minus. It's an A for all the things I wanted to see in, in, in a young director. You know, mm-hmm. um, tone, eye for uh, a scene, blocking, um, cinematography skills, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, getting performances from your actors. That that he's exceptional. Uh, the story's not great. Sure, um, not very, not super compelling. Yeah, 
but um he did he did all he could with this basically um and uh yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's an a minus for me and it's that's awesome considering i'd never heard of this movie mm-hmm. until a couple months ago and um now it's uh it's in contention for a top 10 spot so yeah sure sure brian yeah, I think I think I had it as a as a, about a B plus coming in, but I've kind of talked myself up on it. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm also gonna go A minus. I was uh, I'm pretty impressed with the the direction. I think you're right. Like it's 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 sort of slight in its storytelling, and um, maybe the degree of difficulty on that is a little bit lower, and that's part of what. Yeah. But like I, I mean, there's there's not much to complain about there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of positives. I think I think this could be. Um, I don't know. This could be a benefit. This this could benefit from the lack of movies that are in theaters right now. I, maybe people will, more people will seek it out because of that. Because it, it's got some real value to it. I, I like it. So uh, a minus for me. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I'll I'll give you your B plus to kind of average it out. Yeah, Sweet. B plus for me. Didn't quite. I, I respected a lot about it. You know that kind of the line is. I respect everything about this, and but like you said, kind of not enjoying it that much. So that's kind of the the line between a B and an A to me. But it was it was it, or in sometimes conversely, I really enjoyed this, but I recognize it wasn't that good. You know uh, that sure. makes it a B as well. So it's kind of right on that B plus line for me. Yeah. I'm uh, looking at the credits or scrolling in in front of me right here and. Just noticed that the second assistant A camera was Dan Marino. So shout out oh. to former Dolphin quarterback Dan <laughs> Marino. Career, man. Well, he's career he's as a second unit. He got the camera. bug on Ace Ventura, and yeah. then he's <laughs> shout out. I wonder how many jokes that guy gets like every day of his life. <laughs> All right, uh, this has been Jungle Land again. If you want to download this movie, keep it for yourself add it to your collection uh, in your VIP, then uh, comment on that post and maybe we'll just message you a download code. So shout out to the studio for hooking that up and yeah, watch out for more Max Winkler. That's kind of my thesis of this episode and watch out for more premium video on demand. Well, we'll be back next week with more to talk about. We've got a lot of Netflix movies coming up. We've got Hillbilly Elegy as a, as a Brian mentioned, we've got Mank coming up yeah. as well here yeah, in the next we'll couple of weeks. So a lot of David Fincher to talk about. He's been uh, he's been quite quite talkative lately. So we got a lot to talk <laughs> about here in the next few weeks. So we hope you will stay with us. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear more from us, please subscribe to the show at Mad About Movies on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening. Also, leave us a nice positive review if you enjoyed the show. If you learned anything. And uh, maybe if we uh, made you laugh, brought a smile to your face, you can uh, do that as well. Follow us at Mad About Movies on Twitter. Hit us up on Instagram, all the social media platforms. And again, thanks for being a VIP. And we'll see you in the Discord. Maybe next time soon at the Sun. See ya. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.